Ash Wednesday is one of the days that I feel very grateful to be an Episcopalian because we have a liturgy to use to celebrate this day. And what we do on Ash Wednesday liturgically is very, very old. So this goes back to uh, the, early the earliest times when we understood liturgies as put together now in some coherent form. But every Ash Wednesday there are three themes that are part of how we understand this day, but also moving forward into the solemn season of Lent. And they are repentance, reconciliation, and godly motives. So I'm going to say something briefly about those three things. Uh, to say something to you about the practice of some discipline and austerity during the season of Lent and what it means. And then I always feel compelled to say a word about Matthew's gospel because as uh, we hear now Jesus condemning, uh, disfiguring your faces to show that you're fasting, and in a few minutes those of you who wish are going to get up and receive ashes on your forehead, so it might be a good idea to understand what that text means so that we don't find ourselves in any kind of moral or ethical bind. Repentance is something that I talk about a great deal uh, let me say that uh, the season of Lent that begins with Ash Wednesday originally had two foci. The one that has been the most well-known for many centuries is the, the more recent, and that is uh, a season of penitence, a season of pers practicing personal austerities and doing things like that. But the original purpose of the season of Lent was as a preparation for baptism, and it was a season for those who had uh, been guilty of notorious sins to indicate that they're uh, do, sorry for this, and at the great vigil of Easter, they were once again restored to the communion of the church. So the baptismal thread is the one that got kind of submerged and the penitential thread is the one that has had uh, the biggest way in which, uh, biggest practice in terms of Western Christianity. And this dates from the post, the Constantinian church. So when in 314 Constantine declared Christianity the legal religion of the Roman Empire, some say that's when it all went downhill. Not true in my opinion, but some think that. Repentance has to do, as I say over and over again, with changing the direction that you're looking for happiness. That's what Father Thomas Keating says. Repentance is the ability to look in a different direction through prayer, self-examination, and begin to say to yourself, I think I need to make some changes. And this is the time of year when we engage in a fairly uh, a, a thorough self-examination. And it's a season that has always been part of that. But remember, there are two words in the New Testament for repent. And they both have the idea of changing your mind, of turning around, of a reorientation. But one of them has the double emphasis of saying, this is an interior resolve that I am going to make. And the other word is the word that said, not only am I going to make this interior resolve, I'm going to put it in my hands. I'm going to do something to uh, express this externally in terms of my uh, reconversion and how I want to, to live my life in a different way. 
One of the things we learn from the first reading is, if you'll notice, there's a lot of talk about sin and all this stuff, but the biblical readings we have today, certainly from the prophet Joel and from 2 Corinthians, uh, focus on what the psalm says. For he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relents from punishing. So Lent is a time that we remind ourselves that God can change his mind and that the default position for God's way with the creation that he made and called good is to always say when his judgment and his mercy collide, God's mercy trumps God's judgment. And so we express during this time of year some species of gratitude for that particular thing. Reconciliation is the second piece, and Paul is speaking about the importance of reconciliation. The mission of the church is to restore all people to unity with God and each other in Christ. And so Christian people are people of reconciliation. And it's something that probably we don't emphasize enough. One of the great writers in the early church said that Christ took on our condition that we might receive his character. So this process that we engage in allows us to intensify uh, our true nature, our true character, our divine center. Let me say something for a minute about Lenten austerities as we move to clean motives, because it's important uh, to think about what it is that we might do, because I, I make jokes about it, and it may sound like I'm uh, criticizing undertaking things that are some austerity, and I don't mean that. There's no harm uh, in those things. Uh, the priest I began my ministry with in Tucson, Arizona, used to say, Lent is not a time for giving up bad habits. Any time is a time for giving up bad habits. So it has something to do with how we understand this. Evelyn Underhill, who is a great writer on the spiritual life in the early part of the 20th century, for a while, when I was in seminary, she was viewed by some as a, the kind of Agatha Christie of the spiritual life. And some people uh, weren't too, too uh, pro Evelyn Underhill, but she's made a big comeback, and it's a good thing because many things that she says are excellent. She writes a friend in one of her books, I can't remember which one it is, As to your Lent, no physical hardships beyond what normal life provides, but take each of these as serenely and gratefully as you can, and make of them your humble offerings to God. Don't reduce sleep, don't get up in the cold, Practice more diligently the art of turning to God with some glance or phrase of love or trust at all spare moments of the day. Be specially kind and patient with those who irritate you. Instead of wasting energy and being disgusted with yourself, accept your own failures and just say to God, Well, in spite of all, I may say or fancy this is what I am really like. So please help my weakness. This is not self-disgust. It is the real and fruitful humility. 
on mortification, by preference the mortification of the tongue. Careful guard on all amusing criticism of others, on all complaints, however casual or trivial, deliberately refraining sometimes, not always, from saying the entertaining thing. This does not mean you are to be dull or correct, but to ration this side of your life. I doubt whether things like sitting on the least comfortable chair affect you enough to be worth bothering about. But I'm sure custody of the tongue on the lines suggested could give you quite a bit of trouble and be a salutary bit of discipline, a sort of verbal hair shirt. You know, the, the church is an institution, all institutions are, but the church is an institution where that runs on gossip. And you know, we all know that's not a good thing, right? But most of us just love to gossip because it's fun. And this is a good time of year to say, well, maybe I'll just exercise a little bit of restraint about what that might mean. Clean motives, Jesus in the gospel is talking about something to do with clean motives and not hypocrisy in the practice of your religion or hypocrisy in interaction with other people. You know, the uh, practice of uh, having ashes on our forehead is not a sign of fasting, although this is a fast day in the church's calendar. It's a sign of repentance. So don't worry about the fact that you're disfiguring your face to show everybody that you're fasting. Now, if you do have scruple about it, you can wash the ashes off your forehead before you go out. But I doubt that any of us in this church, including myself, are going to bowl anybody over with our uh, extreme austerities and piety. I don't think it's true. And so it may be a sign that we need to just say, this is who I am, and this is my witness. So remember that Father Keating is talking, too, about clean motives with regard to the three energy centers that govern our emotional, spiritual, and mental life, security and survival, affection and esteem, and power and control. And it's these three things that sort of run the way in which we try to keep a balanced life. And Lent is one of the, se the season, I suspect, where we look at those three energy centers and see whether they're somehow in sync. You know, all human beings need security and survival. All of us seek affection and esteem. And all of us want some power and control over the ambiguities and the uncertainties of life. It's a perfectly natural thing. But if they get out of balance, it causes instability of one kind or another. So as you begin the 40 days of Lent, remember that God's presence is constant. See where you need to change direction. Know that God's reconciling work is present in you. And ask God to help you with removing, removing from you habits of being and relating corrupt motives which keep you from expressing your true self. Lent is when we discover who we are and who we are, and that we are beings made in the image and likeness of God. Amen.